As a leader of your company, you must stay up to date with your strategies and execution or risk obsolescence. Welcome to the Finnovate Show, financial services innovators bringing you the future today. And now, here's your host, Jerry Purcell. It's the Finnovate Show, brought to you by Innovation 360 Group. I'm Jerry Purcell. Get ready to think about your biggest challenges and capitalize on your biggest opportunities after this. Executives depend on external consultants to fill knowledge and experience gaps or to have an experienced mind audit their thinking. The Innovation 360 Group brings together a wide range of proven thought leadership from around the globe and cost-effectively makes it available to you. Get the insights, advice, and systems you need to succeed. Learn more at www.innovation360.com. Our guest today is Monique Allen, Executive Vice President, Data and Technology at Homers, an experienced executive leader and change agent who advances digital business transformation. Monique has led several software and services businesses, including setting strategy, driving product and service innovation, and leading new business pursuits and ongoing portfolio management. Monique joined Omers in 2018 as Executive Vice President. In her role, she's responsible for leading information technology, strategy, and operations, and keeping it aligned with growth and performance goals. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jerry. It's great to be here. So for those who don't know about Omers, maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, Omers and its business. Yeah, Jerry, uh, OMERS is a pension plan that provides members with consistent income in retirement. So we operate in service of our members, both those who are actively employed and those who have already entered into retirement. So I think, you know, most of us equate participating in a pension plan to getting a consistent, reliable pension payment, of course. And uh, we're keenly aware that what retirement means has changed. So we're thinking about the total member experience for our our pension members and supporting our members throughout all their life stages. So, you know, that makes us think about the experience that someone has participating in a pension plan. Our youngest member is 16 and our oldest member is 109. So that member focus naturally expands into their financial well-being. And at OMERS, we operate our investment platform so that we support our members' pension promise. So all I hope is that I get to be 109 someday. <laughs> <laughs> so there really has never been a time when uh, when we've been more challenged in, in business to make change and to innovate. How has the new business environment impacted you? You know, it's been interesting and it's been a lot of fun, right? I think that it's every technologist's dream to uh, have the the case to rise to the digital challenge, and uh, our team our team did just that. Um, we have uh, we thought about it, the changing landscape in a couple of ways, and one was, you know, what do our members need? And in a time like this, where you know we were thinking about uh, the isolation that some of our older members must feel, we first put that lens on and said, what do what do we need to ensure that our members are getting not just that consistent, reliable pension check? 
uh, in the mail, but that they're all are deposited into their bank accounts, but they're also part of a community. So our pension leaders actually did a wonderful job of reaching out uh, and creating a, a community amongst our plan members, um, creating the opportunity to have coffee chats and some forums that our members too could could call in or interact in a digital way and combat some of those early fears around um, isolation and their very real fears and impacts of health and well-being and, and mental illness in a time where we were isolating. And we thought as well around our employees and what do our employees need in the, the same vein? What did we need in order to interact with one another? You know, in a time where uh, we've been physically distanced for the past six months, we've also never been as close. So, you know, right out of the gate, we asked everyone to ensure that they had their cameras on, that we we preserved as much of a face-to-face connection for engagement uh, in the last six months. We really vectored on, you know, over-communication. So we, we had frequent town halls and, and stand-ups. Our CEO, Blake, has reached out at the early days on a weekly basis with a self-videoed video message and video blogs where we reached out to um, our members and our employees. And I think that that social connection, despite the fact that we couldn't be in person with one another and the, the social connection through those digital channels really kept us connected to one another and connected to what really mattered in a time like this. And that made it just so much more powerful to follow with what do our businesses need uh, when we knew that we were taking care of each other, we were taking care of our members, and we were taking care of our employees. So what got in the way? What were, were sort of the challenges that you experienced? Well, we knew, and, and of course, uh, we thought about the thing that could be our biggest challenge was, one, the technical capacity of our infrastructure as we entered into this new work style. On a global basis, when we thought, as I'm sure every business leader thought about, what's this going to mean when I send my entire workforce home? And am I going to have the capacity for them to do the work that they need to do? And then the second is, are now we going to have the know-how and the knowledge to work with the the digital tools? And, you know, I, I often... You know, like to think of the the challenges that we have in those environments as a team that's running on a racetrack or on a you know a track and field track where the track's been laid out to do the you know 80 meter hurdles and I've got 100 meter sprinters behind us that aren't ready to jump. So you know I'm out in front of them moving away all of the hurdles that might possibly get in their way so that they can just have that throughput and and to sprint down the the track. And as we used that approach and we thought about what's going to get in the way, we thought about in several weeks before we we went into the work style that we're in. So we we thought about our network capacity, what could get in the way. We thought about things and predicted where we would have bottlenecks and critical applications and how we were going to preserve the throughput to those critical applications and rerouting network traffic so that we could ensure that had the capacity that we needed. And and we felt really comfortable with our network capacity. We put it to the test and we that probably at the end of the day had less of our concern. And more of our concern was, are we going to have the, uh, the knowledge? Are we going to have the digital know-how to move from an environment where much of the work that we did was face-to-face and move into an environment where all of the work we were going to do was, was digital? And 
you know, had we done enough training, had we focused enough on adoption and were we going to struggle right out of the gates? Because if the tools didn't work, then we would we'd really not have a success. So one of the early and I, I was remembering back as we were thinking about this conversation that one of the early things that we did with our team is and my team and the data and technology team was we we held our town hall and I asked uh, for all of my team to think a bit differently about their role. And the, the way that I looked at it, we had a 200 person team that were focused on a variety of priorities going into this remote work style. And I asked each and every one of them to think of themselves as the digital ninjas that we could turn ourselves into a, a teaching organization. And that at every opportunity that we had was to lean in, to interact, to share our knowledge and to, to teach. If we saw that uh, one of our colleagues was maybe struggling a bit with the tools that we had or wasn't getting the experience and the performance that they wanted to. And we had a lot of fun with it, Jerry. You know, we we did, um, we really embraced that notion of having digital ninjas. We use WebEx. So we also dubbed our champions, our WebEx wizards. And uh, as time went on and some of our senior leaders really understood the power that they had and the role that they had to play in that, we started to to give out some honorary WebEx wizard certifications and and in, in having that fun and perhaps using that opportunity to uh, just ensure we all had what we needed to be successful. I, I think it contributed to a team that now many people have said we're closer as an organization than we had been before. And I think times of crisis brings out can bring out the best in people. The world is moving fast. It's difficult to keep up. Your executive team routinely needs new ideas to keep them ahead of the competition. Imagine having a plan in place in 30 days to focus your innovation efforts, improve customer experience, accelerate your move to digitization, or increase speed to market. Our guide to accelerating your innovation agenda provides you with insights and time-saving resources to plan your path forward. Contact Jerry to book a quick call or for your complimentary copy at www.linkedin.com backslash in backslash Jerry Purcell. G-E-R-R-Y-P-U-R-C-E-L-L or email Jerry at jerry.purcell at innovation360group.com. So I imagine if we sort of take that the hurdles analogy to the next level, that you had the odd person that sort of stuck their foot out <laughs> and was, was sort of a critic. Uh, so p- perhaps there's a story you might have about about sort of the people who weren't exactly on the bus to start with. Well, we did. We had some nervous participants. And, uh, and you think about the scale of investments that um, that we make and that we protect for our, our members you know, that really has to work and it, it's got to perform reliably every day, all day long. And uh, I know that one of my toughest critics was uh, open and honest with me, you know, weeks into our our pandemic situation and our, and our, our remote work style. And he said, you know, I got to hand it to you. I really didn't think the technology was going to perform. You know, I really thought we'd get tripped up. There's no way that we could send our workforce home and do the work that we did today. And uh, and in the, its success and that cautious optimism that uh, the team had, those very same critics 
came back uh, within a very short period of time and said, you know, I've really got to hand it to you that your your team did an amazing job, and uh, we didn't we didn't miss a beat as we shifted into a digital work style. Wow. So these kind of crises and, and these kind of times tend to uh, become all-consuming. And, and so what, what kind of uh, approaches did you use or, or do you use to keep people focused on, on innovation in the future versus you know, the, the current issues? We anchored in a few things that remained true, right? So we, we anchored in the, the notion that the, the capabilities that we needed to progress in our strategy were still true. And that one of the things that were was really important in that was this notion of business agility. And we had early on in the time that I joined Omer started to embrace the notion of business agility. And, and that meaning how we bring together uh, cross-functional teams that can be responsive and nimble and considering different personas of the, the challenges or the opportunities that, that we have the ability to satisfy. So, you know, in, in that um, design and applying that design thinking, the business agility mindset is one that tests and proves, it forms hypotheses, it can shift direction uh, on a dime if needed, and uh, really focuses on the problems or the opportunities that will have a meaningful impact. So we used the very same methodology when we were thinking about clearing those hurdles ahead of us. We thought about those roadblocks that might get in the way of the hardware, the networks, the critical apps that we needed to maintain that that uh, throughput for, and we solved each of them, and we, we maintained that focus. Um, and after a period of intense work, we also needed to make sure that we came up for air and that we celebrated our successes before we anticipated the next set of hurdles. And, and I think time in times like this, if we pay attention to those first principles, when we take the friction out of what's getting in the way, you know, that it's, it's true of great product design. It's true of any innovation that makes a meaningful impact. And it's true in crisis management that if we can, take the friction out of the way, if we make people's jobs easier, um, then we, we make great progress, we build great momentum, and we have to celebrate those successes and celebrate the people. And people work hard, they, you know, we were, just like most people were working around the clock to not lose a beat, and uh, we needed to, to celebrate that. So I think if we're paying attention to those first principles of people management, and first principles of innovation, we acknowledge great work broadly, we celebrate the successes, we stay focused on the things that matter, and we spend time with people and uh, in empowering our people. It, it truly is those times that I think we build stronger teams and uh, we have great outcomes. So how did all this affect your members? Um, I, I, I presume there wasn't a huge amount of face-to-face -face activity, but there may have been some. How does this sort of change and, and crisis uh, impacted your members in terms of their expectations? And the and, uh, second part of the question is, had they changed in terms of their expectations? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think that, uh, you know, we were maybe a step ahead of being prepared. We certainly weren't thinking in terms of a global pandemic, but we were thinking about the digital journey and the digital member experience. So for the last two years, the our, our pension team and our pension technology, product and technology team has really been thinking about 
what the uh, interaction model is, um, what the digital experience is for our members. So, you know, I would say all of the things that we started had started down um, were tools that we could continue to use and interactions that we could continue to, to leverage in a way that we were already looking for what our, our members wanted. So we were thinking about their their experience, the design experience. We were thinking about moving away from a paper system to a paperless system. We were building um, great methods of digital interaction for our, our members in the member portal, uh, in our member newsletters. So I'd say, if anything, I, I, I don't think any of that changed at all. In fact, we were well prepared to continue to keep that interaction going. And, and if anything, it, it helped us um, continue to perpetuate that journey and and think of uh, complementary ways that we could add value to our members. So as we talked about having, you know, a, a online coffee chats and having an outlet that our members could reach out uh, or interact with us in in a, in a new way, maybe for them, but in a consistent way for the journey that we had already started down in a digital member experience. Were there uh, any unique implications or issues that came from being international? You have a sort of a vast network, both from in terms of investments, but also in terms of members. What uh, you know, sort of implications did the uh, geographies present? Well, you know, it, it really made geographies less of a barrier altogether. So, you know, I think whenever you're moving from a physical work style to a digital work style, it challenges some of those assumptions that we believe to be true and what we needed to be able to work together. And and I think what we found, and particularly in my team and in, in some of the other teams that we work with in OMER, is that it's no longer important when we're working in a digital forum if our colleagues are in the office or if they're working from their kitchen table or from their lake house or cottage or in another country or on another continent. The the experience that we have was so consistent in how we worked together that it suddenly, in fact, uh, allows us to challenge some of those status quos and, and see where we can be effective in a digital forum. Now, we've also challenged to say it's not everything's cut out to be digital. And while we did surprise ourselves where uh, those barriers that we may have had in the past, we've, we've been able to work through and challenge. There are still some places where face-to-face interaction and building relationships, some kinds of, of work and, and work that we can build off the creativity and the energy that happens when we're in a room, we'll never take that away. We'll never you know, replace that fully with digital. But I do think that we're likely always going to have mixed media. We're, we're likely always going to have some people that will be together in a, in a geography, whether it's in the same office building or, or, you know, whether it is in a global location and we'll have others that are participating remotely. So what I do think we're going to need to get great at is how we have that mixed collaboration and uh, mixed teamwork. Uh, right now we're all digital, right? It's the great leveler. We're all, we've all got the same challenges. We've all got the same interfaces and we're all trying to accommodate new work styles. Eventually, we're going to start to get back to office and have some of our collaboration happen in different formats. And I, I think that's where we're going to need to pay some attention to in the coming months. So what comes next for uh, for your team? They're all moving back in the office. Like, what do you think comes next in terms of how we're going to deal with the situation? 
Yeah, so what's next? It's certainly an interesting time ahead, I think. You know, in the last six months, we've accelerated two years worth of our digital roadmap. And as we're becoming more comfortable with digital tools, we're finding the appetite to learn and push what else is capable with digital is quite high. So we're starting to think about the shift from doing digital to being digital. And that means, you know, we're accelerating our initiatives that we already had on our roadmap. So, for example, RPA or robotic process automation will quickly turn into intelligent process automation. And then as we look then into the innovation horizon, we're anticipating that this incredible pace of change is going to accelerate and that technologies that were going to be upon us that we anticipated were going to be upon us in the next two years are going to be upon us in the next six months, perhaps. And those that we thought were going to be two to five years out are going to be on us sooner than we thought. So I, I think we're really on a tipping point that will change the way we work and, and do that in a way that's more profound than we might have thought. You know, if I look back on where we've come in the last 10 to 20 years, I'm sure many of your listeners can relate to this, that our children are a generation that hasn't lived without an iPhone and social media. and Amazon and Netflix are ordinary products and services in our lives today. So when we look ahead to the next horizon and see how we can innovate the way we work and give back time to our employees so that they can get to complement the ways that we're working with faster decision making and more robust insights, I think that the potential for opportunity is exciting. Now, we're curious about how smart contracts using distributed ledger technology might help us simplify our operations and how virtual agents can provide a more connected employee experience. Perhaps how augmented reality might enrich the mixed work styles we've talked about earlier. How quantum computing will change the processing capacity. So I'm really excited to see what lays ahead and to look back on the next decade and just how much opportunity of finding new ways of working with technology will bring. I'm, I'm curious about how we might look back and find out how ordinary these technologies might become in the future. So uh, innovation is going to remain central to business, no matter whether we're at home or where we are. What advice would you give to today's leaders or tomorrow's leaders, actually, in that case, to develop their own team of ninjas? You know, what sort of advice would you give? Well, I think, you know, the lessons learned for me are ones that they, they start with truly those basics that make a connection to people and to real uh, opportunities. So first would be continue to lead with compassion. So when you have great people and people feel that you have their best interests, their safety, their well-being and their contribution, their job progression, their empowerment in mind, when you have great people, you get to great outcomes. So continue to lead with compassion. Continue to make those big, hairy, audacious goals that uh, that inspire uh, you to take action. Continue to look for those points of friction because when you can take the friction out of the system, when you can make everybody's lives a bit easier, whether that is in a work style, uh, in a way that you can collaborate, whether it's in great product innovation, if you can find those points of real friction that you can remove, you'll uncover great value and always innovate. It doesn't, you know, we, we tend to think that innovation goes hand in hand with invention or that creation of new products, but the way you solve any problem can be solved with innovation. So even the way that we tackled our readiness to go into a global remote work style, that was a, a, a monumental change for us. We thought about it with the very same principles of innovation and business agility. And I, I think that those were 
some of the key contributors to our success. Thank you, Monique. I really enjoyed our conversation, as I always do. And that's going to wrap up our episode uh, for today. As always, I look forward to hearing thoughts from our listeners about today's or our other shows. Keep the conversation going by commenting on LinkedIn or go to www.innovation360.com to listen to more shows, download the transcription from today's show, or to contact today's guest. Thank you very much, Monique. Thanks, Jerry. It was great to speak with you. You've been listening to The Finnovate Show with Jerry Purcell. If you like the show, share it on your network and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can go to www.innovation360.com to listen to more shows, download the transcription from today's show, or to contact today's guest. This is The Finnovate Show, financial services innovators bringing you the future today. Today.